Bro, I know you want to sell saute frog toenails on a lily pad <laughs> <laughs> with pond water as a side, but relax. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Nerdzing Podcast. I'm Skylar. And I'm Gary. And welcome. This week we have another special guest for the good people. Uh, we have G. Jones joining us on the pa- podcast. Let me specify, Chef G. Jones. Right. Chef you, Master. You right. <laughs> G, my friends, how are you doing today? Man, happy to be here, dog. Happy to be here with my homies. What's up? <laughs> yes, yes. Really happy to have you on the pod. I know we've talked for a while about you coming on and joining us. So really happy that you're here. Um, you know, Gary and and you know, we 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 know each other, right? You want to mm-hmm. tell the good people how we know each other? We all worked together uh what was it? 5 years ago? <laughs> when we yeah. all worked for uh Verizon. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were on the same team at one point as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's always been a good camaraderie between the three of us. Absolutely. And so we're all back together again. Uh, G, as you pointed right before we started, uh, you pointed out right before we started recording, you had mentioned that it's so crazy that we're all kind of back together, but yet we, we do completely different things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, heck, we all work for a technology company. That's what they called it, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we manage the selling of cell phones and servicing of the phones. Um, but we, me and Skylar, we always kind of were off goofing off. And I think you introduced me to Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we all would just like message in the chat, goofy shit. I would do this sign to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> which I still do in the kitchen because I would never grow up. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy. Like us all working in one place and we do vastly different things. Like I yeah. remember Skylar talking about acting and going to school for it. And I remember Gary talking about comics and us connecting on that and him doing like other technology based stuff. And like, we're all doing our shit and it's mm-hmm. crazy, man. but it's beautiful to see. Absolutely, man. Living exactly. the dream. And we're all in different states now, too, because I know we right. all worked together in South Carolina. G, you want to tell the people where you're at currently? Um, I just recently moved to Oklahoma freshly. Uh, this is my second week. I'm in a country-ass town called <laughs> um, Ada with one Walmart, zero malls, and two McDonald's. It is... <laughs> Is the Walmart the the uh was it they they called the uh the not the superstore but the super the center? local not the super is it the, center, na- but the, the neighborhood local. market yeah the neighborhood market <laughs> I guess it, it's the fucking center of town like man the this town looks like they made this shit yesterday like <laughs> jeez I don't know if y'all y'all familiar with Greenville you know we have this the busy street Haywood. Four Lane Street, you know, in the end traffic. Right. They have a main street here that is the size of that. It looks brand new, but the shit doesn't even have stoplights at certain points. There are stop signs on a four lane road, like where people That's have crazy. to make grown up decisions. Like, is it your turn? <laughs> <laughs> like, dog, we on Haywood Road. We are what? <laughs> It is no, so oh my gosh! So but, it's acclimating yeah. to a new state, a new area, right? Wow, new state, new area. Um, not to mention, I mean, since I left Verizon, I've been pretty much doing my own business and not working mm-hmm. for anyone. And so, making the transition from that to going back to working for somebody and working for like a corporation this big, um, big transition, man. But it's been actually, you know, pretty damn cool. I can't lie. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, today, uh, the reason why we have you on, obviously, in addition to you being an old friend to us, is we're talking about food uh, in film and TV. And who better to ask than a chef, a professional chef, who, like you said, you ran... 
a master chef. You ran your own business. You yeah. were uh, a chef for hire. I know you would get hired by by kind of local groups and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, catering services, and whatnot. But you were the man, mm-hmm. you know, and you still are. So uh, who better to ask than you? So happy to have you on, my friend. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Let's dive into some questions for you, my friend, because we yes. want to know and the good people want to know your thoughts as a professional chef. Let's do it. So first question I got for you. With hit movies like The Menu and shows like The Bear, what do you think is so uh, enticing for the general audiences about culinary, about the culinary arts? Mm, I would say, honestly, I have not even really tapped into it. The public really appreciates shows like The Bear, like I do. Um, I feel like most people have worked in a restaurant in some kind of capacity or have had like a close-up experience, like a family member working there, telling them stories. And so if you had any of those experiences, you understand how the bear is just like, dog, this shit is real. It's like this. (laughs) Like some of those come to Jesus moments that you see him having and like just him like, breaking down and flashing back and being stressed out and having to come up with this and you realize like how many things you're responsible for just in one restaurant if you're in like a position of leadership. Um so I think people are intrigued because of that, because it, it's such a great depiction of it. Also on the other side I can see it's kinda like you, you your chef friend, you feel like your chef friend is living out his or her dreams. Because if they like cooking enough to pursue it as a job career, they're like, hey, you must love it. Look at you. You're a chef. I'm so proud. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, It is like that. Um, You have to remind yourself of that. Like, hey, I'm actually in it because I love putting out food and I care about it. Um, Ironically, sometimes some of the things that come with a career or job can sometimes overshadow that like all this shit I'm responsible for or um, stressed out. There's a lot to do. But like I said, the bear does an awesome job of giving insight into like what it's been, what it's like being like a chef or a talented sous chef. Um, The menu is cool because (laughs) I think it gives you as crazy as that movie is like, when I look at some menus and I think about some times where I worked at some really great restaurants, it shows you like sometimes chefs need to take a stick out of their ass. Like, <laughs> bro, I know you want to sell sauteed frog toenails on a lily pad <laughs> <laughs> with pond water as a side, but relax. Relax. And it's crazy you asked me about the menu because one of my really close uh, homies, he sent me um, this TikTok of Lala, uh, Carmelo Anthony's ex-wife, um, going to this restaurant called something. It, it's like 30 courses. While, she, while you're there, they have like this projection on the screen of like all this weird shit. Like, for example, they have a bunch of eyes on the roof and then you're served some kind of fake eye with caviar as the pupil and something some other shit and they do this for 30 courses hearts uh cow tongues all kinds of shit and i can imagine that people probably pay thousands of dollars for this experience right but it's like where's the line between the experience and you're you're doing too fucking much. You need to relax. <laughs> <laughs> like are are we are we getting what food is supposed to be, which is sustenance? And you know, taste is kind of second. Like it's really meant to feed you and give you nutrients and shit. We try to make it taste good and present it well, but not to get too super long winded. The menu, like that's that's really people are out here. You know, they may not be eating people. But they are for damn sure. Maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they are doing too much. And I have seen. 
I have even done too much sometimes, but that's like the, <laughs> that's the battle of being a creative, you right. know, mm-hmm. like you have to, somebody has to tell you like, Hey, great idea. But <laughs> sometimes three out of the 10 great things that you came up with were bullshit. <laughs> well, it's it's something about these Michelin star restaurants, right? They get a Michelin mm-hmm. star and all of a sudden they're like, we got to make this like an art form. You're eating arts. It's crazy. Um, and I think that's what makes like both the menu and the bear and some of like the flashbacks to when Carmi's working in that, that three star Michelin restaurant where it's like they put stuff on a plate and then it like deflates into like this small little portion. And, you know, they probably paid like a thousand dollars for that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild to see like the fact that the more expensive restaurant you go to usually means the smaller the portion. Right. And it's just really designed <laughs> fancy. Like, yeah, I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. Like the whole shit is a dance, like a restaurant working and your food coming out. The entire thing is uh is a play. It mm-hmm. is, it's a symphony. It's, but it's a symphony that like, on certain levels makes no fucking sense how this works like your average cook probably has a few or one felony or <laughs> smokes yeah. smokes crack kind of probably like as, we, as gary pointed out in our review of the bear that one alcoholic. guy was just smoking crack yeah alcoholic perhaps oh yeah most of them are like it's it's literally like the but the kitchen is like you know what are you willing to work? Yeah. Can you can you take direction? Can you be clean? Can you put out the product under the chef's direction? All right, we'll fucking work around whatever your craziness of a life is. <laughs> and it's literally a band of fucking pirates, like just every day, just making it work. And in front of the house, people who are usually like servers, bartenders, they're usually crazy as shit too, but they're a little better at presenting. <clears throat> Well, what would you like to? Uh, what would you like to have today? <laughs> yes, and it, the whole place—it just you know from from the moment the order comes in to uh, people putting it together, the yelling, the ticket eh, 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 machine going off all day, the food coming out to you, and you looking at it like, damn, this is beautiful. Like that whole thing is a is a, a play, a symphony. A, working chaos Mm -hmm. so it is art in its execution um and what people can come up with sometimes to put on a plate from where it comes from absolutely but still sometimes we just get a little bit like bro (laughs) you did you you worked three hours to give me some foam on a plate with (laughs) (laughs) a feather and the Skin of duck, like. <laughs> oh man! So I think that leads us really perfectly into question number two. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think Hollywood gets right in its betrayal of kitchen and restaurant life? Mm. Certain certain flicks like The Bear have done a really good job at portraying like. And I don't, I don't think I've seen that often where you really get to see the insight into like a chef's life, into like the things that you kind of go through on a, on a mental level. Cause I think that's what I really tap into, like say season two. Like there were moments I was talking to one of my coworkers and I, I never said this shit online, but I cried watching some of those episodes because there were moments where it's like, you see where he goes from the highest of the high and drops way down and then has a great moment. I have had so many of those moments like, oh, it fucking worked. <laughs> um, so that was great to see that. Um, I would say Burnt did a really good job. Um, Chef is my absolute favorite movie of all time. Any as far as food related, um, and I really like that because there was it was personal for me. There was a moment where I was like, "Hey, I don't want to fucking work for anybody anymore," and that was the moment where he, where he got the the truck, 
his ex-wife hooked him up with the truck. And then he finally like tapped into it. Like, you know what? I've been trying to please the corporate people and do X, Y, Z, but I should fucking just go out and just do what I want to do. Um, Hollywood gets it right in those instances. Um, Closer to outside of that, I would say, you know, Bourdain, when he did uh, Parts Unknown, that was fucking great because it's like bigger than the food. He he goes into like the actual culture of the people, you know, the types of cuisines that you're eating. You get to see like, yeah, it's great that we love street tacos, but like, you know, you go to this place, like they really serve it on the street because that's the way to get to the people. And most people, you know, they're not having restaurants. They're having, hey, I got a table. I slaughtered three pigs from my farm. We are making video tacos. This is what it really is. It's not like a motherfucking Taco Bell three for ten dollars special. <laughs> <laughs> it's real sustainable food from the region, and that's at the core. That's what the shit should be about. Like, hey, we're feeding people. We're feeding people based on what we have, and um, it turns out what we're making is fucking great. Like th- that's when it, you know, when it all comes together. So, we talked about what Hollywood gets right. Where do you see some of the biggest flaws in regards to like what Hollywood gets wrong with uh, guest cooking in or food and film on TV? Um, I would say probably anytime they really just glorify uh, like the plates. Just the plates. Um, it's not. That, it's not that they're getting it wrong. It's just that they amplify that part like so much. Um, like a Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I mean, that shit is. <laughs> it, don't get me wrong. I've worked behind some dickheads, you know, who probably watched Gordon and got inspiration. But <laughs> like I told you before, as a chef, like when you become the leader, you are managing a band of pirates, like. You got to watch how you, yeah, okay, I might be the leader of these band of pirates, and I might be a crazy motherfucker at the head, right? But these are pirates. If you talk like that to certain number of people, you're going to get your ass whipped, or mm-hmm. there's going to be some kind of repercussions. Plus, people will walk out on you. Like, it's a stressful thing. I've I worked on so many jobs where people just like, I'm going to the bathroom and fucking never come back. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Dog, or you know, work a crazy shift, finish the shift, don't come tomorrow, you don't hear from them. Um, and so, like, any show where they amplify the end result and don't show you any of like how it took to get there, mm-hmm. you know, you watch a show like Chop, and you see, like, hey, like, that's that's the closest kind of compressed version of going from here to there. You see the process. You see, hey, I made this out of all this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, look at this play. That's more realistic for me, as opposed to, like, just going on Instagram and you see, oh, look at that. The video is beautiful. <laughs> oh, it makes my mouth water. If you go to my Instagram, you will see that. But, dog, like, what it took to get there? So, yeah, um, any any show like that or any commercial that you see on TV where if you know anything about food photography and like food videography, that shit is like so fake. (laughs) Sometimes the food isn't real. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like the lighting is super great or like, how did you get that perfectly to, to be that color? Cause a lot of that shit is fake or, there was recently a lawsuit for that too. I think it was like either Taco Bell or Burger King. Mm-hmm. This this one dude sued them because they're like, oh, their, their Whopper doesn't look like that at Burger King. It's because <laughs> it didn't look exactly like that. <laughs> right. It's because it didn't look like the picture from the commercial. Yeah. Is there any item on a McDonald's commercial that you've ever purchased that looks <laughs> food-wise? It's always deflated. It's just right. severely <laughs> deflated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I found out about that, I... I literally was upset. So I was like, how? This is false advertising. Stop the show. Stop the show. Dog, food photography is 
crazy, crazy. Like, I mean, even sometimes, like, how they get, like, the lines, the perfect girl lines on the meat and shit. It is, like, it would blow your mind if you actually saw, like, how they really set it up. How some of the stuff is fake. How some of the stuff is, like, gels and all kind of shit. Mm-hmm. It's, like, food photography sometimes is almost, like, in film, uh, makeup. Yeah, makeup and when they do mm-hmm. like the you know the wounds and shit, whatever that's called, mm-hmm. they, that's what they've been doing for food and plates for a very long time. So, yeah, that's what they really us. get wrong. Yeah, right. Super <laughs> dude, especially yeah. if you're talking about Taco Bell and no disrespect to them because like I've I've eaten it when I you know I just it's a quick meal, yeah, my life right. and I wanted to just spend a little money. But man, I don't know. I guess if they really put what it looked like, we maybe less people will come. Eat. Probably. Honestly, when you it's see like the Taco Bell tacos too, like it always has like this much meat in a Taco Bell taco, and they put it in there, and so you take a bite, and you're like, "This is literally just like the smallest tortilla with that much meat." And I'm talking about like a centimeter worth of meat, literally. and the rest is shredded lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> that's so why i don't know if you guys exactly i mean i'm i'm kind of stuck on the on the taco bell <laughs> topic right now but um i don't know if you guys saw they i think it was like last year they released it was like a a membership for taco bell that if you signed up for monthly it was like ten dollars a month you got a free taco every month but it's what? like once again it's a water taco it's not even so you're water. paying ten dollars for a taco essentially yeah no well, it's like a benefit taco? or something. Yeah, yeah, basically. It allows you to get free tacos. Yeah, that's not worth it to me. <laughs> that's what we get from Taco Bell. This this is obviously not sponsored by Taco Bell. Definitely not. Probably never, never be, be sponsored. <laughs> never. I'm sorry for the McDonald's. We out of that shit, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I even want that because things at McDonald's. But, but, nah. Yeah. Uh, So, next question for you: Uh, When you see a movie or a show um, that's going to be dealing with or centered around fine dining, what do you look for that will get pique your interest? A movie or show that's centered around fine dining. Yeah. You you saying like what would make me want to watch it? Basically, right. Hmm. I guess if I I don't know this that's kind of unfair to ask me that because I'm a person that watches things like a year or two later. Like I don't watch <laughs> anything that. that is like it comes out and everybody's like talking about it, unless it's like a really good actor actress or like I know the writer always does great shit. It's, I gotta, I gotta get my shit screened first. So <laughs> I'm one of those people who like I go to the restaurant because Skylar said that the food was great, not mm-hmm. because they run commercials fucking 25 times a day. Um, so Word that would be the way that it, it would get to me. I guess kind of like if it's like industry proven or mm-hmm. referred, um, or if I watched the commercial and it was like, oh shit, like it's, this it's really like that. Like they're, they're cussing each other out. Oh, this might, cause it's like that. Cause kind of mm-hmm. tapping back into like the, the fake portrayals. Everybody's happy. Bullshit. Man. <laughs> when I moved here, I had a lady who, uh, and I don't want to, I'm trying not to give too many details. She was, doing the work of two stations, right? Um, And everybody around her is saying that she's not able to do the job. But she's literally the only person in the kitchen who's doing the job of two stations. But she's like, okay at best, all right? She should not be doing more than everybody else, and she's not the best cook in the room. So, bing! Let's take some work away from her. That's common sense for me, first thing, right? right? But outside of that, when you, when you, outside of a job, when you see a person, right? When you connect with a person or you just listen to a person, um, 
like I've seen her have days we were just like jokingly talking about something and she was like why would you ever move to Ada I fucking hate this place and like <laughs> like me like I'm a single man you know to be fair I moved here because the salary was like yes they pay for me to relocate I don't have any kids I don't have any girls that I like that much to not leave. <laughs> and so I was like, fuck yeah, sign me up. That's why I came to Ada, right? But bigger picture, like for her to say something like that, if you really think about it, it's like, what is like going on that you really don't like your life that much so you make a profound statement like, I hate this place. What she's really saying is I, I don't really like my life for whatever reason. And so when you put that on a on a screen and you kind of take everything else into account and you're like, OK, as a person, you know, like she's probably dealing with a lot or just like whatever got her to being here now. Right. So when you put that at the forefront, then you are able to deal with a person a little better. Like as a leader, we can go, OK for lack of better words, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this show. I can't even think of it right now. The guy is like a, um, he's a medical director. It's a hospital show. And his whole theme throughout the whole show is how can I help? The house? No, it's, it's like mm-hmm. house. Y'all got to watch it when I think of it. I can't remember <laughs> right now. Okay. But he, he becomes a medical director and he literally like, he goes to every department. So many people, and his lead is, how can I help? And I just kind of, you know, incorporated that into my life before even being in this leadership position. Because you kind of got to step outside of your own shit and be like, hey, how can I help you? Like, wh- mm-hmm. what can I do to assist? Because if we all took a moment to do that, just think about, per- like, on a bigger level, if everybody would just put their problem just a little bit to the back burner and try to assist other people in some kind of way. Overall, mm-hmm. like we're all making so much shit just better and easier. And mm-hmm. in a restaurant, you have to do that because we're a team. Like I cannot put out a plate which has fries and steak and potatoes and sauteed greens on it if my fry man is down because mm-hmm. who's going to do the fucking fries? And if I'm the one doing the steak, either I have to do both or we have to cut it out. But we're all like a part of this thing. We're all making this thing mm-hmm. work. Bigger level, not to get too deep, but that's life. Like yeah. that's life and that's going to a job and that's what you're doing. You're contributing to overall society, no matter what the fuck you do. Like who's working at the water place so I can have water at the crib? Who's flipping the burger so I can get that quarter pounder at McDonald's? who's working at the light place so I can fucking turn this light on and off. Like it's the whole mm-hmm. team thing. And, um, I fucking got long winded and it went way off. No, <laughs> I don't even know how I got here, but no, but I think, I think that's what makes the bear so fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that I, I feel like, especially with like just the different character arcs in season two, but what you really see from Carmi in season two, mm-hmm. aside from him kind of doing his thing, cause he, he, he finds his little girlfriend and Claire and he's kind of running off with her and abandoning some of his duties. But what you really see from him and is he's asking Richie, like, Hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What he's saying to Sydney is, hey, what can I do for you? And now that she's the, the sous chef, you, she's going to all these different other restaurants in the city and trying the different cuisine to try to build their menu. You got Richie going to a Michelin star restaurant like ever, and he's learning how to do real front of house stuff. So it is cool that you talk about that because you get to see that in the bear. And I'm, I've personally never seen that before. Yeah. I I think that's probably some of the draw too. It's just outside of it being a great depiction of restaurant stuff. It's a great show. Like you just, you just see that. You just see how you see life kind of in a vacuum. Like you see Mm -hmm. the value of being on a team and everybody contributing their part in whatever way and shit just working. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's the dope part of just being a part of any like team. If you've ever been on, uh, sports team, if you've ever been on a debate team, if you've ever been in a play, or you 
work ever worked at Verizon and then on a team. <laughs> <laughs> shout, shout out to Verizon. Sponsor us, please. Sponsor us because we used to work there. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you just, I mean, you see the effects of everybody contributing to some shit and it actually working. That's what a restaurant is. Your, your average working restaurant with an A grade, that's what it looks like. So Agreed. Yeah. So um, you kind of touched on this a little bit when you were mentioning some of, obviously, we talked a little bit about Gordon Ramsay. You mentioned... Um, uh, Chef uh, Anthony Bourdain, um, but what role? Because we're talking about over twenty years of reality TV, right? And just in the pop culture vacuum in the media, when people think of kind of the angry chef, they think of a Gordon Ramsay. Um, what role do you think reality TV has played in culinary arts and being a chef and working in a kitchen? Um. You just get you, you kind of get to see what it's what it's like working behind certain people, because um, mm. those kind of chefs do exist for sure. Um, and a lot of times you see like the anger and you see the cockiness. Um, some of that shit is you know necessary. Um, you, if if you're an artist of any sort or a performer, like you have to have some level of confidence to be successful. Otherwise, why would you continue doing what you do? Like somebody would have to tell you, hey, you're good at this and confirm that for you. Or, you know, you'd have to put out something and people like like it. Otherwise, maybe you're just that's your outlet. And you're just an artist and you don't give a shit. Uh, but I would think at some point somebody has to say, yeah, this is good. So in order for you to continue making the kind of stuff that you make, you got to have that confidence. Like you got to walk in your shit. And, and that's what it takes to really, I think that's what it takes to put out really high level, good product. Like you really have to be confident in what you do. You got to walk in that shit. Um, you don't have to be an asshole about it. That's the difference between confidence <laughs> and arrogance, but um, you definitely got to be confident in your shit. But uh, that anger that you see in like uh, uh, Ramsey or other people, what you're really looking at is stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's probably just like a projection of experiences that they've had in the past where they've worked behind people and they acted like that and they're just passing it on. Or they've worked in places where, hey, this is the environment. We're expected to do these kind of things in this kind of time. And I've been here before and I'm really just having a flashback of being stressed out. I'm just reliving it right now. Like this really has nothing to do with you. Um, it's you see that, but you know, from the outside looking in, you probably just think like all the good chefs are dickheads and all the good <laughs> chefs are arrogant. But, yeah. You know, um, I think like you see in so many other things, this generation is really so much more aware of like just people and. Uh, I guess because in information age, you know, you're aware of like mental health. Uh, you know, you you give a shit, you give more of a shit now, like the person next to you, because you're aware of like, hey, other people are going through shit too. Maybe I shouldn't be a dickhead mm-hmm. if you have any kind of compassion. And so that kind of relates to how you deal with people. Um, I've worked under people, and I've seen like them behave like dickheads and sometimes innately because subconsciously I learned how to be successful that way I've had to catch myself and not be that chef and not talk to people this kind of way because really that's not the kind of person I am and I don't treat people that way but it's like a person who's shit like a person who's been abused and doesn't want to grow up and be that way but like you've been programmed if you've seen it and if you don't like really be careful, you can repeat that action. And so um, you got to be, you know, Hollywood, like I said, has done a good job of the, of showing that. Um, but we also got to, you know, just be cognizant of, is that who we want to be as chefs? And is that how we want to be quote unquote successful? I don't think that's the only route. You don't have to be a dickhead. You don't have to treat people poorly. Um, mm-hmm. you can talk to people like people, you can be talented 
and you can have a great system and you can be successful that way. At least that's mm-hmm. my way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are days where, hey, I said it one time this way, calmly. I said it two times this way, calmly. Are we fucking listening? Like, it, it, <laughs> we're, am I the only one with ears in this place? <laughs> sometimes you get to that point where it's like it's like having kids, man. It's like you. Uh, I know you can I only repeat said. yourself so many times. Right? I I know. I just said. <laughs> hey, 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 Junior. I know I said, and that's what it's like, man. Because if, if have you ever worked in leadership on a job? Yeah. yeah. Working in leadership, I tell this to people, and they always get it. Working in leadership on a job is being an adult babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Everybody knows to do their job. They signed up for it. They did the application. They know what their job is. But somehow, I still need to remind your ass Mm -hmm. (laughs) to just do it. Mm -hmm. Hey, did you get your fry the chicken today? We sell chicken. You're the chicken fryer. <laughs> Why the fuck do we not have a chicken? <laughs> and it's 12 o'clock lunchtime. Like, right. get your ass off a smoke break. Like, that's just, you know, that is just the, the nature of the beast and being in leadership, I guess, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, it's, you know, honestly... Giant. It is. You know, I think honestly, when I see reality TV and like, obviously it's amplified in the bear, but the the time constraints just seem so crazy to me. You know, like they're always under like, oh, you got 30 seconds. You better pull it out of the oven right now. Pull it out of the oven right now. Go, go, go. And so it always seems like, you know, you got your lunch rush. You got your, your breakfast. You got your, your dinner rush. It just seems so crazy that you guys are are under these time constraints at all times, and you just gotta you gotta produce, and you got what you sometimes you I don't know specifically with with where you've worked, G, but you know you might have like twenty minutes to get a plate out. You know you got to get it out. You know in five minutes, like that just all seems very crazy to me. I think that eighty percent of stress in restaurants and employees all come from time core of it is everybody wants great food but in reality you want that shit now or you want that shit in five to ten minutes no matter what it is and it's so crazy to think about that to even expect that like to get antsy after you've been in a place for five minutes and you're waiting Mm -hmm. on a well-done steak like dog have you ever cooked at home before in your (laughs) life right (laughs) a well-done steak or have you ever any of the places where you ever have like really good food that's not a restaurant, think about those places that you've been, like your granny's house or your aunt or your uncle who cooks <laughs> well or your mom or your girl. Think about anybody, anytime you've seen food that you love prepared, you have never gotten that shit in 10 minutes. Ever. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So what, we're, what a restaurant is, is we've taken a process and we've, it takes really hours, sometimes days for you to get a plate because, you know, maybe I'm slow cooking the food or maybe I got to do the prep, dicing up onions or whatever, mm-hmm. making sauces, getting all from receive, scratch, receiving yeah. the food. Like I put in an order. I work for a college, so I have th- literally thousands of items on my inventory, right? I have to order between two different providers, but I order today. I may not get it until Monday. So, like, mm. there's a whole space of just, like, all these things take time to produce this plate, right? And so, we, for you to have an experience, we condense this all down. Say, for instance, if I'm making a plate that has steak and risotto and asparagus, right? what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut that asparagus and wash it. So when the order comes in, all I got to do is saute it, which may take five to 10 minutes, right? For that risotto, risotto is 30 to 45, right? Easy. But yeah. what if we're going to serve risotto, I got to part cook it. So I got to get it to the point where it's almost done 
And all I have to do when the ticket comes in is maybe saute it in the pan, add yeah. some hot stock, finish it with butter and cheese, right? For a steak, a steak, it, a steak off a cow don't come as a fucking fillet. <laughs> <laughs> we got to fabricate this down to the fillet. Then we got to cut little steaks from that, right? At at best, medium rare, we're talking 10, 15 minutes. Seasoned, seared, rested to you. So all those things, all those pieces that happen prior to you saying, I want this order and me putting it out for you to get it. That is where the stress comes from. Because mm-hmm. first off, you're hearing the ticket and the ticket is like, I want my food now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and if you work in a busy restaurant, Friday, Saturday night, imagine, imagine your girlfriend wanting some food, right? You're in the kitchen preparing her food and she is yelling at you about all the other items that she wants and she wants them now. And my auntie want a cheeseburger and my mama <laughs> want a steak. When you finish with that, get some fries from my granny and it's your girl. So you care. So you better get this shit now. Right. Mm-hmm. So like while you're already trying to put this together so you can get your food in 10 minutes, customer, there are also 20, 30, 100 I used to work in a place in Greenville where we did 700 covers one night. That means 700 orders, not plates, orders, which could be Mm -hmm. two to five per ticket. The whole night, the fucking ticket reel was just, (laughs) I was like, help, bro, help me. (laughs) More salmon? Y'all ain't tired of salmon yet? And that is the experience, like just constantly, you know, <laughs> everybody running in the kitchen. Have you ever seen Whites? No. The movie? No. Oh, my gosh. Please put that on the list. Whites is about um, this executive chef in a country club. And just about some of the just, <laughs> it's a comedy, so it, it really uh, amplifies how people just sometimes are just not smart. And not that they're not smart or they just don't think. There's a scene. You might have seen this on social media. The server comes up to the window. She goes, hey, chef, um, I have a customer who wants an omelet with no eggs. And the chef goes, what? <laughs> yeah, he wants a he wants an omelet with no eggs. Um, <laughs> how do I charge that? Or some shit she says, right? And he looks at her again with that look like, are you stupid? Say it again out loud. Omelet with no eggs. Says it again. Don't even realize that, like, either she's just not thinking or she's just a little special, right? And so he goes, so, breadsticks, what are they made of? Bread. So if I took the bread out of it, what would be left? Sticks. Again. It's oh, like, my God. Who the fuck? Who? Who? And so what he did, he's like, okay, this is an omelet with no eggs. So he gives her a plate with fucking green onions garnished. <laughs> Boom. Because an omelet with no eggs is obviously, it's nothing. It's, nothing, it's, yeah. it's, it's made of eggs. Oh uh-huh. But the disconnect is what she's probably really trying to say is that he probably wants a, a white mm-hmm. omelet. You know, he wants. Like no yolk. Yeah, yeah he just wants egg whites. Mm-hmm. And the other chef is watching this the whole time. He's like, he's unnecessarily being a dickhead because he could have stopped this whole transaction a long time ago and just say, hey, maybe ask him, does he just want, you know, uh, just egg whites? But the whole time, like, you would be amazed at some of the questions that I've been asked that are like, can we, um, can we get a, a gluten free fried chicken? And I'm like, when have you ever seen us use like any kind of other flour? <laughs> All this shit is flour that has gluten in it. You have never seen me offer a gluten-free fried chicken. How the fuck are we? I'm just gonna put it out on my ass like <laughs> here. I took, I removed the gluten from the flour, and then I reflowered the flour, and then I fried it in the 
same grease that has been fried with motherfucking gluten filled chicken. <laughs> some some of the questions that I just get asked, like from through yeah. servers from customers, mm-hmm. it'll just be like, dog, have you ever been outside? You know what it is, I think, too, is that kind of going back to what you were saying with people and not really understanding the time constraints. Because if you make food at home, you know food's going to take a while. But Mm -hmm. it's something about people being served. And I wonder how much of it is like a combination of like you're being served so you feel like you can kind of just misbehave and Mm -hmm. basically act like how you would never act if you were at home. Or how much of it is also just in indated in us from fast food because fast food spoils people you can pull up to a drive-through window place your order give them your card and you got your food within 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and i think it's because of that that people are used to going to their burger king their wendy's you know hardy's wherever they want to go and then they go to a fine dining restaurant where they're expecting this gourmet steak this great chicken Mm -hmm. and they sit down and they think they're going to get that in 10 minutes so i wonder how much of it is like a combination of both I think it's, I think it that definitely all that plays into mm. it. Um, I think the microwave started it. Yeah, yep. I think yep. the microwave started it from the beginning when we were ever able to get any food in any capacity that fast and mm-hmm. it be ready. Um, I think that profoundly changed things. And secondly, like food production, like we're so disconnected. You don't think about like you go to McDonald's and you get a burger and some fries, right? But like a burger comes from a cow a cow had to die somebody had to kill it somebody had to cut it up like things happen when you go mm-hmm. in the grocery store you see packages of meat you are totally disconnected from any of the process they ain't in the back shooting the cow through the window <laughs> at when you see them through the window in the glass at that point they already cutting up meat that's been even fabricated before they got it mm-hmm. um so like we're just so disconnected with the process and how like what you eat gets to you. Like mm-hmm. you are eating animals or plants or whatever. And food production has to happen for it to get to you. Um, we're just so de- we technology. Like it's a, it's a gift, absolutely. But, and a curse. Um, yeah, like we like again, we just get so disconnected in the process. It it, it makes us entitled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good like, word that. What if the, what if the technology doesn't work or what if, um, you go to a restaurant and your service just having a shitty day and they just forgot to put your shit in. Like maybe, you know, you actually went to a restaurant, you did everything on your part, you ordered, you had enough money in your pocket to pay and your server just had 10 tables and actually just forgot to put your order in. Your order probably could have taken 10, 15 minutes, but because they are overwhelmed. It just went in and you've been sitting for 15 to 20 minutes. Like we're, we, we're so unaware of the process when it comes to, unless you've worked in a restaurant, mm-hmm. you just sit there at the white tablecloth and you know, the food will be here at some point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe we have a drink and we're just enjoying the experience, but like so much shit is going on in the back. And in order for you to have a great experience, like so many things have to work mm-hmm. and have to be in cohesion with each other from your server taking your order or getting it correctly, your server mm-hmm. putting it in promptly, your server, you know, realizing that, hey, I just took an order for appetizer, entree, dessert. I can't put it all in at once. Nobody eats that fast. So I do mm-hmm. need to have it in, write it down. I do need to communicate with the staff. Hey. This person is allergic to whatever. This person, blase spleet. The cooks have to make sure that they do what is said on the ticket if it's communicated clearly. And then we all got to work to make sure that we get that food to you how you wanted it in a timely manner with great service. It all has to work in cohesion. And like I said, um, we're just more so disconnected on and more more so a, a lot of us are unaware of like the process i can't say that's really the average consumer's fault like mm-hmm. though i think society i think everybody should put their kid in a restaurant even if it's for like two weeks mm-hmm. like your ass needs to see because you eat right and you pay people to make food for you you need to see that process at least get a glimpse into that 
And it gives you so much appreciation for somebody really doing the simplest thing, which is feeding you. But mm-hmm. like you're paying for that and you get an appreciation. And you, I think for the average person, it enables you to not accidentally be a dickhead. Right. Um, because at least you have the knowledge now. At least you're like, you know, a lot of people, it blows their mind that servers make $2 an hour in America. That ain't my fault as a consumer at all. Mm-hmm. The structure is just fucked. It's, that makes no yeah. sense. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm paying $75 for this steak, why are y'all not paying your servers? Why are you mm-hmm. expecting me to pay them through tips? That's a right. whole other conversation, how that system is yeah, just crazy. Absolutely. But when you're when you're aware of things like that, you know, maybe you take a step back from yourself, like I was talking about earlier, you're like, okay, I know I want my shit and I want it now. But this is a person who is probably working hard for this amount of money and it still provide me with this experience. For me, when I first became privy to that knowledge as an employee, I was like, I can never leave a shitty tip anymore. And this is kind of going off, but culturally as a black person, especially a black person of middle class to poverty, financial, you're not taught like, hey, this is the amount you should tip unless you know somebody who worked in the restaurant industry. The average poor person does not have a standard of, I need to tip 20, 25%. They're like, hmm, do I have enough to buy this meal? Do I have enough to tip if they did a good job? That's mostly the thought process. But when you work in the service industry or when you've had somebody who's worked there and they told you, like, that's a shitty tip. This person doesn't get paid a lot. You should appreciate them more. Even as a person who didn't have a lot of money as a kid, I was like, yo, I got to leave more than this. They did a great job. I know how hard they work. I know how much they're getting paid. And I was tipping, like, $10 on five ten dollar orders just because i appreciated that when you got that insight and that's why i think mm-hmm. everybody should like put their kid one of their first jobs should be yeah get your ass in there and bust some tables for a week or two yeah. just to see you know because you you just really need to appreciate like the systems that happen to make shit work for you yeah yeah absolutely have you ever seen the movie uh waiting with ryan reynolds Justin Long. No, but I need to. Yeah. I heard this is fucking hilarious. It is hilarious. It's an old movie. Came out like in the early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands. Um, but it is so funny. It's a great comedy, and I think it really depicts everything that you're saying. Gee, completely accurate. Um, you know, it's it's mostly it's about an entire like restaurant, like almost like a like a Denny's type restaurant, kind of mm-hmm. like booths and all that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it shows everybody from front of house to 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 the chefs in the back, and the chefs in the back are just like these degenerates that play pranks on each other. Yeah, and and all the waiters up front, which I've I've personally seen this from friends who are bartenders and waiters and hostesses and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that they all end up sleeping with each other. They're all hitting on each other. They're doing all this crazy stuff. But then you do see like you know like a ninety eight dollar you know final order, and they give you a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. And so you got a $2 tip out of a $98 order and you see that in the movie. And there's that scene where like Justin Long is one of the servers and he goes up to the guy. He's like, you know what, man, how about you take your $2 tip? Why don't you yeah. take it? You, you clearly need this more than I do. So why don't you take your money back? And you see that in the movie. And it's, I mean, it's everything that you talked about. I think it is, it's, it's sad. That can be a whole nother conversation. Certainly it, it is definitely sad, like how tipping and, and the industry works. Um, yeah, it's it's not fair because I know I've been to, to you know, parts of Europe where you don't have to worry about that. They're all paid a fair wage. They get to live their lives and they got health care and, and you just don't see that. So it is sad. Um, moving I, I on. Ask, Gary, did, yeah. just before we leave that, did, did you grow up with any kind of knowledge like that about like tipping? Did anybody ever have that conversation with you? Yeah, my mom, she was a waitress for a good portion of my life. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I was pretty aware of that. Like, um, there were times when I was like four or five, six years old, and, you know, going to the restaurant with her while she's working her night shift. And you mm-hmm. have a table of like 15, 20 people come in. They get stupid mm-hmm. drunk. She's mm-hmm. given like the best service of her life. And they just pay the bill and leave like a two, three dollar tip. And then it's just like, 
you just had mm-hmm. like two, three hundred dollars worth of food. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. had like seven, eight refills of each person's cup, and this is what you do. So it happens a lot more than people want to uh, give credit for. The first job I ever had, I was a busboy at an Italian restaurant in Statesville, North Carolina. First job I ever had. But it was uh, right at the end of 2008, end of 2009. I'm showing my age. And it was right before the recession. So they, they ended up letting me go. It was a recession. I was 16, so it's whatever. But they ended up saying, we're, we're not going to schedule you anymore. We'll call you if we need you. But I'll never forget <laughs> that. I worked that job for about four to six months. And even as a busboy, you see it. You see it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you get to see all the levels as a busboy. Like, you're like, because yeah, yeah. you kind of weave in and out of the chaos, mm-hmm. like from the kitchen yeah. to the front of the house mm-hmm. to like people leaving the table fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, I do want to hear uh, both of your final thoughts on just kind of like this discussion because I know we're talking about everything from food and, and film and TV, but we're also talking about kind of a, the larger scope of things and how um, how people are mistreated, how you can behave as a leader in a kitchen. I mean, we've we've covered so many things today, but but we'll start with Gary. Gary, like, what are your final thoughts today? Uh, this was a good conversation. Um, really glad we were able to bring you on, G, and just have this discussion um, and it go much larger than just, oh, yeah, I really love, you know, these cooking shows. You know, it became much more of a conversation about, you know, how to treat people, you know, and hopefully people take from this, like, when you go to that restaurant, you know, whatever your favorite restaurant is and you have the waiters and waitresses, you know, sit uh, seating you and taking your order and refilling your drinks. Just remember in the back of your head, like these people get paid like two fifty an hour. You know, and they're trying their hardest. You know, a lot of them oftentimes work six, seven days a week. You know, they oftentimes don't get to have days off because they're usually short staffed. Or if they're and not twelve short-staffed. hour shifts, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they have to work crazy hours. So you know, remember those things. G, final thoughts. Um, I would I would tap into what Gary is saying and kind of extend that, and not you know, I wouldn't say separate yourself from the fact that they get paid X Y Z because that's that really as a consumer, it's great to consider that, but it ain't your problem. One, um, but just as a person, just treat people just like when you when you know that they're doing a thing for you mm. of service like mm. just treat a person like a person like i was talking mm. about earlier with the you know the lady might have xyz going on in her life um and all we can think about is she's not able to do the job well like that's a person behind all this shit behind systems that work for you to provide something that you need like at the end of the day on the other side of that is a person um, you know, like when people would call in to when we worked at Verizon and it is so easy to get mad at the person on the phone yep. when in reality, like this shit really don't have nothing to do with Skylar. <laughs> What's going on is my phone is fucking up and mm-hmm. I wanted to be fixed or mm-hmm. I had a shitty day. You're just mm-hmm. the person on the other side receiving it. This is mm-hmm. probably not even about you. Even if right. you were shitty as a representative, this only got nothing to do with you. <laughs> I just want my problem fixed. And but again, like I wouldn't talk to Skylar like that if my first thought was I'm talking to Skylar, a person. A person. I'm mm-hmm. not talking to the machine, which is mm-hmm. the phone company or whatever. Right. And you're not actually the reason that my screen is cracked. Like it's people on the other side of this thing, yeah. and I think. It's just so valuable to just walk through life with that, at least in mind, in some percentage. And I just think, you know, um, not to dig too deep into karma and shit, but if you treat people with that kind of consideration, you get that same kind of consideration when you move through life. So just that kind of shit out there, man. Absolutely. You know, it was funny when you were you were talking about how it's an act of service to serve people food, to to be either a chef or a waiter or waitress. 
And I can't help but think, you know, when the whole like five love languages became really popular a few years ago and the book came out, how many people you think go to restaurants, act like total Karens, and yet one of their love languages, one of my love languages is actually acts of service. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll treat the waiter or the waitress right. like like crap, you know. Like I, I can't help but think that. Like there there's a little bit of uh, irony there. But no, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've worked in kitchens. Uh, obviously, it was busboy was my first job, but I also worked in QT kitchens, which I talked to you guys about, oh, which is a whole another monster, whole, whole uh, another monster. So yeah. I agree. I think I think it humbles you really quick when you work mm. in in retail or the food industry. So uh, for those listening, if you've done that or you are still doing that as you listen to this podcast, know that we all sympathize with you. We understand. We feel you. And yeah. I think it should just yeah, it should just go out into the world that I think that's the, kind of the beauty of film and TV is that they can shed some light on this industry and the fact that we all need food to survive, right? You know, we want good food. We want food that tastes good, but I think there needs to be some grace and some patience and, and gee, it's like what you're talking about. Like this is so much larger than just food. It's just about like treating people how you want to be treated, being a good person. I think somewhere along the way, you know, if someone's having a bad day, they tend to forget that they tend to forget that I'm talking to another human being. Mm -hmm. yeah at at the core man you just really just want to be fed and Mm um you want to be happy because maybe that's kind of a connection for you like Mm -hmm. you know the reason why they call it comfort food is because it's warm it's usually something that's warm it's maybe it's a creamy grits and sherman grits you know think about the way those things make you feel you feel warm it's smooth it makes you feel nice no matter what is going on. I mean, that's great, but food is really for you to be full, get mm-hmm. the nutrients that you need for your body to function. That's the core of it. It's great when we can do all the other things. It's like be nice, be polite, make you laugh, make it come out fast, pause, make the food <laughs> get to you fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, like all those other things, you know, that's the things that we expect, but like those are not at the forefront. <laughs> it's those are the those are the things that people do well and they add to the experience. So like you're really here to get fed and somebody else put this shit together for you. Like be appreciative. You ain't gotta be like, Oh, thank you, Chef God. But like <laughs> Hey, man, I appreciate you. I know you worked hard. I appreciate your work. Your server, you know, I appreciate Mm you. Man, no matter what is going on in your life, I couldn't even see it. I just know that you just provided me with great service today. Here's some money. Take some more. Tip your servers, tip your bartenders for (laughs) helping you feel nice. You know, mm. making you laugh and the, the, the corny ass jokes that they made—they <laughs> are trying to give you a great experience, even when they some are. people are being dickheads. Like, mm-hmm. tip your servers and bartenders, man. Especially until the system in America changes with wages with servers. As long as we are, it's known that servers and bartenders are getting paid two dollars an hour in places. Just do your part, dog. Uh, to contribute mm-hmm. it ain't your it really ain't your responsibility and that system needs to change but just be considerate that that system exist, and then act accordingly do what you want with that information right yeah exactly so before we let you go here today uh do you have any social media handles you want to share with the people so they can check out your work yeah man um chef g jones on pretty much any platform uh chef G-E-E Jones, J-O-N-E-S. Uh, you can find me there on Instagram. You can find me there on Facebook. Those are the ones I use the most often. But, um, yeah, I, I post food. I post clips. I do how-tos, recipes, all kind of shit. Um, I teach people online and in person how to cook. Um, yeah, and I, I really do. I really do love doing this food thing, man. I really do. That's awesome. And once again, Gary and I, we, we've seen you for the last five years kind of realize your dream and, and make it your full-time job, man. So coming from, from me personally, man, I'm really proud of you. Thank you, bro. Definitely I appreciate same. that. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, Appreciate y'all having me on this podcast, man. Who would think we would just be talking about <laughs> shit on camera and people would care? Yeah. I love it. Right. And right, right, I right. also want to say I am proud of you guys for putting this shit together. I remember when Gary was just like starting to realize or talk about doing stuff like this and posting about it. And I was like, I just remember like in the background, like, yes, do that shit. <laughs> and when I see Skyler like posting plays he's in and shit, and I'm just like, man, I'm just so proud of y'all for like saying out loud that you wanted to do some shit, writing it down, and then putting some action behind it. Because you, as you see, like the universe will just send that shit to you if you really want it and you really want to go for it. I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer in that, and so man, I'm just. I'm happy to see y'all walking in your purpose, though, for real. Definitely. Same here, that. man. Same here. Um, we'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast sometime, man. Hopefully you get to listen to a few episodes. Uh, definitely tell uh, tell tell the good people of Oklahoma about us. Get them <laughs> listening because they can find us on any podcast platform. So yeah. our, our listeners know that. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything. So um, great. We'll have you back on again. Gary, another awesome episode. As always, man. yeah. As always. And next time, let's talk about non-food related. Like, let's talk non-food about geek related. Shit. Yeah, like yeah, we let's will talk about Marvel and shit. <laughs> like, I'm with that. <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. We'll have you on for more discussions with Marvel, maybe with Phase Five or Phase Six ending. Right. We, we could talk about that. But in the meantime, everyone, I'm Skyler, and I'm Gary, and I'm this Chef has G. been that is Chef G. And this has been the Nerds Inc. Podcast. Thank you, guys. We will be back next time. Hey, everyone. This is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question. Provide your thoughts on our discussions, and we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.